now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Mark Larson, thank you very much. And Southern California, welcome again to another live edition of Rod and Reel Radio here on AM540. It is our pleasure to welcome you to the show. I hope you are enjoying winter in Southern California. It's pretty balmy out there. You know, uh, over the uh, weekend, I had the chance to talk to some friends in Great Falls, uh, Montana. 10 o'clock in the morning, it was only minus 23 there. My daughters live up in Seattle. They've got record snow on the ground, seven inches. And uh, the Midwest and the Southeast, they're kind of uh, in the freezer right now. So uh, let's appreciate the great weather we have. And not only that, the good fishing that we are still experiencing here in our Southern California waters. Hey, again, appreciate you uh, coming aboard tonight. And we're going to make it worth your while because We've got some great guests lined up for you tonight. Out of the guest, we have uh, uh, um, Jim McElvain. He is with us from Optimum Batteries. He is the e-care manager for Optimum. We're going to talk about the different products they have, why you should be looking at an Optimum battery, maybe uh, over some of the newer design batteries or the batteries you may pick up at Costco or anything else like that. So Jim's going to be with us. We're going to have a little battery talk. And then later on in the first hour, Captain Rick Scott from the Ocean Odyssey is going to be with us. The Ocean Odyssey is scheduled to be making trips up and down the Mexican coast. They've uh, had a few under their belt. Uh, they're not out this weekend because of gale force conditions, but they are sold out almost for next week. Rick's going to talk about the fishing opportunities you'll see and He's got a report on what's happening with tuna in that area. So you want to be with us uh, with uh, uh, Rick Scott from the Ocean Odyssey. And in the second hour, pro angler Todd Klein will be with us. Todd just finished an amazing effort at Lake Havasu that he put on with the One Bass Arizona Open. So Todd Klein will be with us. So you're going to want to stay tuned. But before we get everyone going... Let me first introduce my co-host. First of all, this gentleman is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty darn good angler in his own right, both freshwater and saltwater fishing, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, howdy. Howdy, John, Wynn, the gang. You know, it's been one of those weeks in between tournaments, so it's kind of like tuning up your tackle, getting ready for the next one. And I'm already Jones, and I, I love fishing these things. <laughs> it's like I kind of... I'm hoping the fish stay where they are, and you give me another shot at winning these things. So, uh, all good. We'll see what happens. It's two weeks away, but 
I, I'm still just Jones, and I can't wait to get there. I wouldn't blame you. Hey, uh, and she was absent last week because she was on a hunt. I believe she was somewhere in Texas, parts unknown, but she's back with us tonight. She is the national sales manager for Iserline, represents many other fine products in the industry. She also is an expert fisherman and hunter. It's Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm happy to say I have meat in the freezer. You know, I'm happy to say you're back. (laughs) I'm happy to say we made it back safely because it was pretty treacherous coming back from Texas. Yeah, Yeah. well, ice and the the things that we were seeing with the accidents on the on the highway we were thinking about you hoping you were going to get back safely well thank you you bet wendy and and if you will we're going to have some time towards the end of the show so right around oh you know six forty-five or so uh, uh if you will let's talk a little bit about your trip because i'm eager to hear how you did okay perfect yeah Hey, guys, let's go to our first guest. You know, Stan had been kind enough to contact these people because he was having some battery issues. And he got a lot of great information. And and in talking over the week, we said, hey, let's get the guys from Optima Batteries on. So we do have with us, he's the EK, well, the eCare manager for Optima Batteries, Mr. Jim uh, McLean McLean. McElvain and Jim, you got to pardon me because I'm screwing up your last name. How do you pronounce it? It's pronounced Optima Jim, and then you don't even have to worry about my last name. It's McElvain. McElvain. Wow. Yeah. Well, Jim, welcome to the show. And I know Stan has a a slew of questions for you, but I want you to just first of all tell us a little bit about Optimum, and then you have different products that are available and they are differentiated by different colors of tops on them. So start off and tell us a little bit about Optimum and then I'll let uh, Stan have uh, his questions for you. Cause I know he's got maybe some more technical ones. So Jim, take sure. it away. Okay. So Optima batteries are absorbed glass mat lead acid batteries, otherwise known as AGM batteries and not to be confused with gel batteries, which I've been doing this a while. The next gel battery I see in a car or a boat will be the first. Just typically don't see gel batteries in cars and boats. They're, they're mainly in standalone power applications. But they're commonly confused with AGM batteries because of the, the G and absorbed glass mat. Um, but these batteries, um, especially ours, are made from a 99.99% pure virgin lead. Most car batteries on the road today and in boats are made from recycled lead, which corrodes faster, doesn't work as well, doesn't last as long. Um, our batteries are, are spill-proof, they're sealed, and they're up to 15 times more resistant to vibration than a typical flooded lead-acid battery. I call those black box batteries, which is what most folks can have in their cars, trucks, and their boats. And, and that's especially important, uh, not just when you're on the water, but when you think about uh, the suspension system in your boat trailer, there's really not much to it. So you go over railroad tracks or bumpy roads, or your boat's bouncing around quite a bit. And it really makes a difference to have a battery that is very resistant to damage from vibration because that can catch up with you in a hurry, especially if you, you live in a warmer climate. And I have to say, tonight, uh, you guys in Southern California and, and us in Central Florida, we're about the two warmest places in the country. Everywhere else is freezing cold, 
um, especially uh, the, the Midwest area. My friends in uh, Nebraska are on the open road races. They're going to go down to minus 26 tonight. So um, yeah. if anybody is headed into those areas, I would strongly encourage you to fully charge your car battery with a battery charger. Uh, that's the best thing you can do to maximize battery performance and lifespan. Even if you're not headed into those areas, uh, it's a great idea no matter what kind of battery you're using. Even once a, once a month, just plug it in overnight, top the battery off, make sure you've got good voltage in your battery. That'll maximize performance and lifespan. All right. Uh, Jim, uh, uh, Optimal makes uh, several different types of batteries, but I know you have four types that you make uh, for the the regular people like us out here traveling around in the in the real world, uh, they are differentiated by uh, different color tops. Can you tell us just quickly a little about them? Sure. So the red tops are your basic starting batteries, uh, and and that's a daily driven vehicle. Uh, it could be a pickup truck, uh, a car you commute with, and those work great in those applications. The yellow tops are both starting and deep cycle use. And uh, you'll, you'll find those in vehicles that are maybe uh, a little more demanding from an electrical perspective, Jeeps with winches, uh, any vehicle that has start-stop technology. And that's the technology that shuts your engine off when you come to a complete stop at a stoplight, kind of like those gas-powered golf carts that shut off and then turn back on when the accelerator gets pressed. Uh, those start thousands of times more than a typical uh, internal combustion engine. Uh, and so you're going to need a battery that can handle uh, much higher electrical demands from the starting perspective. So the yellow tops are great in those applications. Then we have blue top batteries, uh, which are designed and intended for marine and RV use. And they have both the traditional SAE terminals, the, the thick uh, lead terminals. And they also have the threaded terminals uh, that you can put the eyelets on and, and clamp or screw those down to the base uh, where you can connect your trolling motors or or your, your RV uh, components and things like that. So uh, red, yellow, and blue are three different types of batteries. All right. Stan, why don't you – I know that you had had some conversations with Jim, and one of the reasons why we have him aboard, even though we've had Jim with us several years in the past. So why don't you start the questioning with Jim with, that, uh, with the questions you have? Well, one of the things, you know, I'd call Jim because we – I've been with Optum Batteries for – ages now, um, just because they work so doggone well. I mean, they're very, very dependable. They charge up faster than other batteries, and they last longer. And what the with all of the new systems that are involved with bass fishing now, where you've got, you know, the uh, it used to be just a, a locator on the front and locator on the back. Well, now you've got, you know, two 12-inch locators on the back that pull GPS from both sides. You've got down, down uh, size and side scan. Now you've got the the front locators where you, instead of having, you know, one little one, you got maybe two. Some of these guys have got two 16-inch, you know, TV screens on the front that are pulling power. Um, you know, the... The live scan now is a, a big deal, and that pulls more power than than it did before. So the standard 800 cranking amps of a battery is getting drained left and right. And so I had called Jim and asked him the questions about, hey, how do we, how do we, what do we do, and what do we need for today's bass fishing and the guys that are out there and 
And lithium, you know, was this big deal. All right, we can get lithium batteries. But the problem is you don't want all lithium in a boat. And I want Jim to explain all of this, too, and, and, and what the options are now and what guys are looking at. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting you mentioned lithium. Uh, we had the MLF uh, college tournament in on Friday. I live on the Harris Chain in Florida. So I see anglers in my backyard every day. I talk to them about the batteries in their boat, ask them what they're using. And then uh, we had the high school uh, tournament anglers in on Saturday. And I met a father and son from Oklahoma. Uh, they, they trailered over here about 17 hours, had their boat in the water, and they were using lithium batteries in their boat. And and I give them all my phone number in case they have trouble during the week. They can give me a call. And I'll be darned if I didn't get a call from these guys Friday night. And, and nobody ever calls during business hours. They're always calling, and these guys have to be calling as they were running their trolling motor uh, to get them back to the dock because they, they had a lithium starting battery, which is a little unusual, um, and that battery failed them. Uh, it was the second lithium failure they had with that company, and uh, they, were, they were nervous that they were not going to be able to get going in the tournament the next day if they couldn't get their hands on a battery. So um, they were going to get back to the dock late because they were on trolling motor batteries. And, and I had them come over and, and I met them and, and got them one of our blue top batteries. Um, but one of the challenges that the lithium guys have now, now lithium batteries are, are really expensive, but they're very lightweight. Um, and they offer a lot of uh, um, cyclability. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great technology if you can afford it. And these guys got a deal on their batteries, as most of the anglers do that get the lithium batteries, because it's you know, the cranking battery. I think they got a deal, and they still paid over $1,000 just for one battery. Um, but a lot of people look at cold cranking amps, um, and that's not what you want to look at when you're fishing uh, in terms of out, outfitting your boat. You want to look at uh, reserve capacity or amp hours, which is kind of the size of your electrical gas tank, uh, to give you an analogy. And the more amp hours you have, uh, the more time you're going to be able to spend uh, pulling energy out of that battery, whether it's for live wells or monitors or uh, pulling motors, whatever. Um, so, you know, cold cranking amps is measured at zero degrees. Nobody's going to put their water or their boat in the water at zero degrees. Um, so that's that's an okay indicator, and, and you'll get uh, outboard manufacturers that will give you a specific recommendation for marine cranking amps like, uh, they they want at least a thousand marine cranking amps to start that engine. That's that's a measurement that's done at 32 degrees, so that's a little bit more uh, accurate of a representation. A, a battery that might produce 800 cold cranking amps might produce a thousand marine cranking amps because it's a warmer temperature. It's a little easier to deliver the current, um, but it's those amp hours and the reserve capacity of a battery that will give you an apples to apples comparison. Uh, between different battery sizes, different battery brands, and and you want to make sure that your battery is designed for deep cycle use. If you're going to use it in a deep cycle application, to be quite honest, just about everything in fishing these days is is deep cycle, even even the starting, because uh, most anglers will have their their trolling motor batteries isolated, and they'll have maybe a 36 volt system with three 12 volt batteries, and then they'll have their starting battery. But it's not just their starting battery. It, you know, as Stan mentioned, it runs a lot of other stuff. So it's really a deep cycle application. And so you need a battery designed for starting and deep cycle use. So uh, I was able to get these guys from Oklahoma set up with one of our uh, Group 31 batteries. It worked great for them on their tournament. They finished 18th. They didn't uh, win, but 
you know, it's, it's a terrible thing to go 17, 18 hours and uh, face the prospect of not even being able to compete in the tournament that you went all that way for. So I was glad we were able to help them out. But um, you, you want to look at those amp hours and see the size of the battery in terms of the, the capacity of energy that it can hold and deliver over time. Jim, we've got to take a break right now. Can I ask you to stay with us for a little bit longer? Because I know we have a ton of questions that we'd like to ask you. Absolutely. Hey, we're speaking with uh, uh, Jim McElbane. He is with Batteries. He is the e-care manager over there. He's the guy with the answer. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. More questions for our guest. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bake Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bake Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto custom baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto custom bait. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. We all like to travel, whether it's for business or it's pleasure. But one thing we all like to do, it's save money. Well, we got a travel tip for you. Bill Boyce has put together a travel website for you that can save you a lot of money. You can become your own travel agent. The site is bookwithboyce.com. You're going to save yourself 5 to 35% on all nationally advertised travel rates. You want to uh, go to Mexico? You want to go to Hawaii? Bookwithboyce.com can offer you outstanding prices. And here's the deal. There's no surprises for accommodations, rental cars, or activities. So try bookwithboyce.com now and thank Bill Boyce later on. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself. Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back 
hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. We are speaking with Jim McElbain. He is the eCare manager for Optima Batteries. He's calling us out of uh, Florida. And Jim, thank you for taking the time to be with us, sir. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Hey, so one of the things that when I was talking to Jim, because I I found that, you know, on your crank battery, when you start adding, like I've got the new Ghost trolling motor, it's got GPS in it and it's pulling power. You've got your your down scan, it's pulling power. You've got your standard locators and sonars, and they're pulling power. So you've got your live wells, you've got your lights, and everything is run off your starter battery, not your trolling motor batteries. And and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, I mean, I, I run the the bigger trolling motor batteries that that are that uh, Optima provides, and um, when you start draining your your system down on your starter batteries, you'll turn the turn the thing over and all of a sudden your locators will go off <laughs> that's a clue that you need to drive it more <laughs> put in a little charge on your battery or you, the option the option is to have a little bit higher uh cranking amp than one of the better bigger uh batteries on your starter battery rather than some of the lower ones and there's several different versions a 17 a 21 and these are different uh in a group 31 um the bigger battery but if you're the guys that are running lithium, if you try to run a lithium starter battery, problem is with that, it's just like your lithium flashlight. It'll go until it quits, and when it quits, there's no restarting that bad boy. <laughs> there's you have to recharge it. They have to have the right charger, and you can't just jump them. So most of the guys out there that are running, if they're running lithium on their trolling motors, and and there's some options even on that that I'm not real fond of uh, yet. Let's put it that way. But you know you've got to have a, a regular starter battery that runs your boat efficiently and will last. Mm-hmm. And from my humble opinion, uh, the Optimat batteries last better than any other on the market. You can, if you're buying a boat and you want longevity out of your batteries and you want to be able to charge them and go, charge them and go, charge them and go, these these things will last forever. I'm not quite forever, but they last for years. Yeah. Um, and you need that dependability. But yeah, Jim, uh, I I've always run the deep cycle batteries for both my starters and my uh, ancillary uh, power needs. Is that a good thing to do or not really? You know, whether it's an automotive marine application, if you meet the cranking amp requirements, whether it's coal cranking amps or marine cranking amps of the engine, um, that's what you need to check off the list. And once once you've achieved that, uh, if you can if you can do that with a deep cycle or a dual purpose starting deep cycle battery, you're you're in great shape. But I'll I'll be honest with you, battery manufacturers and battery brands have really done a disservice to consumers for decades and how they have promoted and advertised batteries. And, and you guys remember the older batteries that you actually had to 
open up the individual cells and add distilled water to them periodically. Um, they, they've finally gotten to the point where um, most of the batteries on the road today and, and, and boats today are considered maintenance-free, meaning you don't have to open up uh, any of the cells and add distilled water. And so they, they brag and they say, hey, we've got these maintenance-free batteries. But the truth of the matter is you really do need to maintain your batteries. Uh, just like I mentioned earlier with your automotive batteries, plug them in uh, once a month and keep them topped off with a battery charger, not your alternator. Uh, the same thing goes for the marine batteries. And one of the questions I always ask the anglers who come into my backyard is, when do you charge your batteries? And most of them say as soon as they come off the water. Some of them will say uh, the night before they're going to go out again. And that's the worst time to, to charge your batteries because anytime any lead-acid battery is discharged below 12.4 volts, which is not hard to do with trolling motors and all the other gadgets that people have on their boats these days, batteries start to sulfate. And the longer you let them sit in a sulfated, discharged state, uh, the more internal resistance is going to get built up, the more corrosion, and you're going to shorten the lifespan of your battery significantly. So uh, when you come off the water, plug those batteries in with a battery charger, a good quality battery charger. Charge them up all the way. And if you have a smart charger, one that's microprocessor controlled, you can leave them plugged in. And, and not everybody does that. Sometimes they'll just charge them overnight. Uh, those Group 31 batteries are really big, and depending on how fast your charger charges up batteries, it may take more than just overnight to charge them. And depending on how your boat is wired and set up, uh, you may have something that stays on in your boat that you might not even realize that might discharge your batteries over time. So even if you charge them as soon as you get off the water and then you unplug them the next day, man, you could have something going on that's discharging your batteries. The next time you go out to run your boat, they're dead. And, and you're, you're done. I had a, a ski boat that ran the hour meter. And when the ignition button was pushed in, even if there's no key in the ignition, and it killed my battery one time, and that was, that was the only time I needed to learn that lesson, and, and I kept my batteries plugged in ever since then. Yeah. Now, Stan, did you have a question for Jim? No, well, just kind of what, what Jim and I we were talking about before. You know, for your – a lot of these new troll motors, they've got 36 uh, op, um, thirty-six volt options and and 24 volt options. That 24 volt option comes into play if you've got three batteries in there that you're, you've got for your, uh, your trolling motor. And uh, your starter battery gives up the ghost, so to speak, and you need to pull one off your your 36 volt system. You can run these new trolling motors like the ghost. On 24 volts, and it has almost the same horsepower that that uh, you have with the 36, and it'll get you through the day. But you still you're still able to get home if your starter battery takes a dump on you, which happens a lot. You there's a lot of guys out there. You don't know how they they don't talk about it, but they they'll get out there and without starting their motor a lot and not running a lot, with all the power that it's pulling, it'll kill that starter battery in, in a halfway through the day. And now, without a jump, you're on the trolling motor back to the dock or having to try to figure out how to get there. So having, uh, there's, a, there's a good balance here of, you know, why you might just stick with what we've got here with the Optimus system. I've, I run three batteries for my trolling motor and uh, a single for my starter. And I'm, I've gone to the, the bigger Group 31 for the starter because it just holds up with all the electrical pull that is being drained from your your systems i think that's what 
even uh, you know Edwin Evers. Uh, Jim was saying he has what two batteries uh, for starter batteries. He runs two D twenty seven batteries, so that's not our largest, but our second largest battery. And he that doesn't just start his engine, but it it runs all his uh, uh, his screens and his uh, live well and and you know, power poles and whatnot. Yeah. You know, Jim, I used to have a uh, a champion boat, and there was absolutely no room in there for the batteries. And I always liked the larger series of batteries. And then when it came time for me having to check the fluid in the batteries, I couldn't get to all the portals to see whether or not there was fluid in there. And it was always a pain in the butt. I finally went over to the optimum battery, and I could take that battery and I could put it on its side and slip it on in there. I didn't have to worry about anything coming on out. And all of a sudden, I went from a nightmare to an ease of charging my battery. Uh, was I correct in assuming that I could put that battery in almost in any position and still have it work without hurting it? Yeah, and, and we don't recommend people put them in upside down. You could in theory, <laughs> but but – Honestly, but we, we think if you can put it in upside down, you can probably fit it in the same spot right side up. And, and if there's any danger of the battery falling out of whatever you've mounted it in, you, you just don't want those positive and negative terminals arcing on anything. Um, so you, you can mount our batteries in a variety of positions. And, and the problem that you talked about with not being able to reach out all the cells with those maintenance-required uh, batteries, that was common. And so it, it's kind of like the LT1 engines and the, and the GM uh, and the F-bodies, the Camaros and the Firebirds. Guys couldn't reach that one spark plug, so they never bothered to change that one spark plug. So <laughs> in those batteries where you just couldn't get to that one cell and add electro, you know, add distilled water, you know, that one cell dried up. And guess what? When the one cell went bad, the whole battery goes bad. And when you're running batteries in series or parallel, they should all be the same age, the same size, and the same type. So if you have a battery go bad in a 36-volt system, you really should replace all three batteries because as batteries age, they start to act like smaller batteries because the internal resistance builds up, and, it, and it's harder to get current delivered into them, and it's harder for current to come out of them. So uh, it's, it's an expensive and painful purchase to make when you have one go bad, and you, and you really should buy all three, but that's... That's the proper way to do it. And then um, Edwin Evers, uh, Stan mentioned him. He's, he did some videos on our, on our YouTube channel, and it's pretty easy to find, just you know, youtube.com slash batteries. One of the best ones I think he did talk about what he does uh, when he fishes tournaments, and he's not at home uh, because I know some of your listeners fish tournaments, and when, you, when you're fishing a tournament, you're staying at a hotel or a motel. There could be 10, 15, 20 other guys fishing the same tournament at that hotel, and they're all plugging their boats in at night. Um, right. So one of the things that Edwin brings with him on every road trip he makes is the thickest gauge extension cords that he can find, and then he brings them in different lengths because he wants the shortest run to that outlet, wherever that outlet might be, with the thickest <laughs> gauge extension cord that he can find. And, and, and that's where a lot of guys miss out because they just yeah, they throw a 200-foot cord in their, their truck and they, they figure they've got themselves covered. Well, there, you know, there's some resistance in that, and, and really for the, the best flow of that electricity into your batteries through the charger, you want to have the thickest gauge possible and the shortest run so you have the least amount of resistance. And, and a lot of guys will get hurt 
when they're trying to charge on the same you know, power source as 10, 11, 12 other boats because they just have too much resistance in, in how they're trying to charge their batteries. Yeah. Jim, uh, uh, people used to think that you had to charge the batteries all the way down to almost when they were dead and then recharge them again because they were thinking that if you kept on charging them at certain points of, of how much charge you have left in them, those batteries would start taking a set. But what I'm hearing from you is, especially with the Optima batteries, that's not the case. No, and, and I've heard that a lot where they think batteries have a memory, and if you don't exercise them enough, you're, you're not going to get the full potential out. That's just not true. The, the reality, and it's, it's not just for Optima batteries, but any lead-acid battery, the more deeply you discharge your battery, the fewer cycles you will get out of it. And it's, and it's not like a straight line. It, there's, a, there's a curve to it. Um, so if you're discharging your battery down to 10%, you might get 100 cycles out of it. If you discharge your battery down to 80%, you could get 500 cycles out of it. It's, it's a significant difference. So um, if you're looking to save money by going with a smaller battery um, and you're just going to cycle it more deeply and discharge it more deeply every time you use it, it's not going to work out for you in the long run because that battery is just not going to last as long as a larger battery was that doesn't get discharged as much when you use it. You know, Jim, a lot of the pros have tell us that no matter what, they religiously change their batteries at least every two years. They don't wait for anything to any signs of their batteries going out. As a, a recreational user where I only might be having my boat out, once or twice a month as opposed to a, a, um, a let's say, a tournament angler. Is there a, a, a time that I should really be looking at that I should change the batteries, or is it a, a really dependent on how many times I charge it and discharge it? It, it really does depend on usage, and, and not just how many times you cycle it, but how deeply you cycle it. Do you fish? Uh, on a river with current all the time, or you with your conditions all the time, or do you use it very little? Um, well, one of the great things about batteries is that uh, they sell them at every automotive parts store you can think of, uh, CarQuest, AutoZone Advance, O'Reilly Pep Boys. And I was just in one the other day. Uh, I was at an O'Reilly down here in Florida with a lawnmower battery. We don't, Optima doesn't make power sports or lawnmower batteries, but um, I went in, I said, can you load test this battery for me? And they do it for free. So if you're concerned about the, the, the lifespan of your battery and whether it needs to be replaced or not, you can take your battery or your batteries into any automotive parts retailer near you. Interstate Batteries is another place that can do it, four-wheel parts. Um, and they'll load test them. And, and most of them will load test them for free, especially if they think they're going to get a battery sale out of them. So that's a free and accurate way to find out the lifespan of your battery and whether it's getting close to needing to be replaced or not is take it in and have it load tested. But in order to get the most accurate load test, they're going to want to have a fully charged battery. So make sure you fully charge them, or at least try to fully charge them before you bring them in. Sometimes you think the battery's on its way out and you've had it on a charger for a couple of days, and they say, yeah, it's just it's not working. And then you know because you've tried to fully charge it, and it's just it's not there. It needs to be replaced. Jim, what should they be looking for in a load test? Well, carbon pile load testers are the best. Uh, most auto parts stores will have handheld units, and they do they do a good job as well. And 
And depending on the load tester that the auto parts stores have, and, and I think a lot of marinas probably have these as well, uh, some of them will just say okay or needs to be replaced. Some of them will measure cold cranking amps. If it's an 800 cold cranking amp battery, the, the load tester will come back and say it tests at 910, it's still good. Um, so sometimes batteries can be charged and will show that they're holding good voltage, 12.6 to 12.8 volts but there's nothing left in the tank, really. When you put a load on them, they drop down right away. And I know a lot of people have experienced that with their batteries. They're like, I don't get it. The voltage is good, and I measured it with my voltmeter, and it's good. But when I put a load on it, it doesn't turn over the engine, or I get the click, or whatever. Uh, that's that's where the load test can, can really uh, cut through that uh, uncertainty for you and, and put an actual load on the battery and say, no, there's, there's nothing here. Or, yes, it's working great. Jim, we've got to get going here, but if people are interested in contacting you about maybe where's the right battery for the application that I have, what to use it, and if there is a dealer near me where I can go to get the battery, how can they get this information from Optima? OptimaBatteries.com is our website. We have a dealer locator on there. Uh, We have a vehicle locator, and I help oversee all their social media, the Facebook, Twitter, or the Instagram. Um, Twitter probably and Facebook are, are the easiest ways to track us down. But info at OptimalBatteries.com is our, our uh, email address. And then 888-8-OPTIMA is our toll-free uh, hotline. And we've, during normal business hours, not, you know, Friday night when an angler is coming in at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, but during normal business hours, we've got a great staff that's uh, very knowledgeable and, and willing to help you. Jim, have you been getting a lot of questions from uh, some of these anglers that keep their boat outside and they are in these frigid, cold conditions about uh, their battery and what they should be doing? Yeah, and, and the truth of the matter is if your battery is on a maintainer and it's fully charged, uh, it's probably going to be okay. Uh, even people that, you know, in Nebraska that are going to see minus 26 tonight, a fully charged battery should be okay uh, for a couple hours at minus 26 because, you know, inside the boat, you know, in, underneath the compartment, it's probably not going to get quite that cold. Windshield has no impact on a battery at all. But uh, the problem folks run into when the battery is not fully charged that electrolyte moves closer to being water. And we all know water freezes right around 32 degrees. So uh, the more discharged the battery is, the warmer the temperature it is that it'll freeze at. So uh, fully charged that battery, our yellow tops and blue tops are protected from freezing down to minus 30 Fahrenheit. And our red tops, because of the, the, the makeup of the, uh, the electrical, the paste and, and all that, the composition, they're protected from freezing down to minus 50. So we actually uh, use those in some military and some uh, airplane applications for starting carts because uh, they can they can start planes at minus 50 degrees when a lot of other batteries are not even thinking about doing anything but cracking open. Wow. So what you yeah, go on, scan quickly. Look, what you want to learn from this is if you're if you're an angler that fishes tournaments, charge your battery as soon as you get home. The night before you're going to go, put it back on again. <laughs> it's a, if you've got the bank, four-bank charger, three-bank charger, whatever you got on the back end of your boat, plug them in. Make sure they're topped off before you go. And then as soon as you get back in, charge them again. 
Well, Jim, thank you for being with us. A lot of great information, not only if we have optimum batteries, but just battery care in general. And we look forward to speaking to you again. And thank you for spending some time with us, sir. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. But coming up next, Captain Rick Scott from the Ocean Odysseys going to be telling us about the fishing opportunities we can be looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands. And if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers the passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensandCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419, or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
Rod and Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes. Now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Real Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Dan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Well, our next guest, he's running trips up and down the uh, Mexican coast. We're having some of the best winter fishing that we've seen in a long time. He's the owner-operator of the Ocean Odyssey, or as we more affectionately call it, the double O. It's Captain Rick Scott. Captain Rick, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thank you very much, John. Good, e- good evening, Wendy and uh, Stan. Hope everybody's doing well. Evening. All is well. Hey, Rick, we are doing well. Thank you very much. Now, I know you didn't get a chance to go out this weekend, but uh, you've been making regular coasts, uh, regular trips down the Mexican coast. Uh, what have you guys been car- targeting, and what's the projection for maybe the next few weeks? <laughs> All right. So to start off, yeah, we've been uh, running trips down. We, we leave Friday morning, and uh, we'll stop down below the islands. I'll, I'll look at for some yellowtail there on the rock pile if I don't see any. We'll uh, go down below there, start fishing Friday afternoon, and uh, once the sun goes down, we'll go ahead and roll on down to Colnet, be there first thing in the morning when the sun comes up, and fish down there till dark and come home and uh, be back on Sunday morning. Um, fishing's been good down there. There's some yellowtail in there. Um, seems like a uh, uh, week before last, it, it, there was a bit more. Uh, not big schools. We're seeing small schools and uh, stop on them, catch a couple. Uh, bottom fishing is really good down there. Really nice size quality reds and some Mexican rockfish, lean cod, whitefish, a few sheephead, stuff like that. But they're really good fishing down there um, while, it, while it's closed here. Um, as far as what we might see coming up, um, I'm pretty sure we're going to see bluefin. I know there is some bluefin down down around that area at the moment. And I was hoping to get out this week so we could go down and take a look at that. But unfortunately, the weather kept us at the dock. And uh, we do have a trip this weekend that we are, I think, almost sold out on. And uh, so we'll be looking forward to get down there and see if we can find some of that bluefin, possibly. You know, as that bluefin moved out of here, moved down south, a lot of it moved 
out, I think, west. I mean, who knows? It, you know, nobody's out there really fishing for it right now. A lot of uh, boats are just <laughs> anchored up waiting for the bad weather to get out of here. But that stuff that moved down there, what size are you seeing? Um, they were seeing 50 to 100-pound fish down that way. They And it was a lot. It was a big volume of fish. That's why I was yeah. kind of excited to, to get down there. It wasn't going and looking for a school or two. It was, sounded like there was a big, big volume of fish. Guys were coming up the other day. You know, a couple you know of all weeks these guys ago, that are going to want to go out and fish for this stuff, don't go, don't take the BB gun to a bear hunt. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, Be ready for so, that. Rick, Rick, what grade of fish were you seeing, and uh, um, was there a lot of bait out there? Yeah, we. I haven't actually seen it yet, Wendy. Um, like I said, the long-range boats coming home the other day were seeing it. So, And I okay. got the information on Tuesday, and I was really excited to hopefully get off the dock, but uh, the weather... Again, it's just kept us here. And I don't think there was a boat that got out down here this weekend. Everybody canceled because of the the wind. I mean, it's not so much the rain. We don't care about the rain, but when that wind blows, it's not very fun out there. No. Uh, Rick, uh, what are you suggesting gear-wise that the fishermen bring with you with, in light of this information that you've just told us? Because uh, someone thinks they're going to just go down for rockfish maybe miss out, may miss out yeah. on a great opportunity. Yeah, well, uh, most people will probably have their yo-yo rigs, which would probably work as 30, 40-pound stuff if they uh, are line shy. Definitely, I would show up with a 60-pound rig. Um, those fish are uh, definitely landable on, on that uh, that size rig, a 60-pound rig. Um, the bait's been pretty small, so it's going to be hard to get a, a nice nice uh, bait to swim. So it might, it might, it might uh, also bring your flat falls, you know, drop flat falls on your 60, 80-pound Okay, uh, if you will, uh, tell us a little bit about the Double O, the Ocean Odyssey, for some of the folks that are not familiar with it, because I know you just celebrated an anniversary, which was pretty neat. Yeah, it was 25 years that uh, we on the boat here, family. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And 26 years. Tell oh, us, 26 years. So, Tell us a little bit about the boat and what you might be doing, especially to be COVID compliant, sir. Yeah. So I started running the boat in 2005. Um, so I've been there a little while. It's 85 foot, custom built by uh, Aguilar. Um, beautiful boat, uh, big spacious bunk room. Um, we have one in the forward, one in the back. We actually have a changing room in our in our bunk room. So if you don't want to go up into the heads, to change your clothes, you can just wake up, jump in the changing room, put your clothes on, get changed, and then head upstairs. Big galley, um, all the state-of-the-art electronics, side-scanning sonar, all the safety equipment uh, for Coast Guard, of course. And uh, we hold about uh, 150 scoops of bait, so we got enough bait to get us through a couple days, um, especially fishing that bluefin, you know, it takes a lot of bait. And uh, Nice big five-ton fish hold that I rigged up with a nice spray system in there. So we spray about 32-degree water, 31-degree water on the fish the whole time. They come out looking beautiful. As far as uh, um, trips that we run, our day and a half to two and a half, we like to to keep them uh, a little bit shorter. Um, We will run overnight on charters. Occasionally, you'll see us pop online for an open party overnight trip also. And, but we do specialize in the day and a half and two and a half. So for the COVID, um, of course, everybody knows they have to bring their own pillow, their own blanket, 
Um, social distance, the boat is marked with the, the spacing that uh, is required. Uh, well, we, we did our safe opening. We presented a, uh, a safe opening to the county. They opened us up, and we've been abiding by that. We have uh, hand sanitizers throughout the boat, and the guys are going through and sanitizing the high-touch areas, the heads, on a regular basis to uh, make sure that uh, we do stay compliant. Right. Uh, now, now, Rick, we're within a couple of weeks of the uh, bottom fishing uh, season going again, and I know you've enjoyed doing that. Are Are you going to stay on the schedule to uh, go down the Mexican coastline, or might you change and go to bottom fishing? We are actually going to shut down on the 1st, so I'm going to do a little bit of boat work, and we're going to open back up on April 2nd, I think is our first trip. Um, and we've scheduled that for just a freelance trip offshore. Um, hopefully that bluefin will be around. If not, then, yeah, we will head down the coast and uh, go look for some rockfish. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to be fishing offshore early this year. And uh, with any luck, people are talking about it. With La Nina, you know, there's always a chance of some albacore showing up. But I am not oh, going to make that prediction. Never use the A word. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say that. <laughs> Every time, yeah. every time somebody asks me about it, and I, I kind of it looks good, and I say something, and it doesn't happen. So I'm not, I'm not going to make any kind of prediction this year. But it is looking better, I think, this year than it has in the years past. You know, the wild thing is, we got a generation of of anglers that don't even know what an albacore looks like. Yeah, I, you know, I say it that all the time. We've got people that have started fishing in the last ten years, and they're all experts at catching big giant bluefin and i've caught lots of bluefin but a lot of them have not caught an albacore and uh, i know that most of them that come on the boat are excited to see the albacore hopefully they'll come and they'll be able to catch some of those what are they going to do when you have to put anchovies in the boat and then hook one of those up and make oh they're, they're going to get it they're going to have a whole new learning experience trying to hook, trying to fish those anchovies uh, on uh, number six hooks <laughs> That's a whole new ball game. <laughs> Although you know the ta- the tackles change, we're not we're not casting five hundreds anymore, so it might be a little bit easier. Um, and uh, but I can remember in the old days, you know, you you, you learned to flick that that spool on that five hundred to get that anchovy to to uh, cast out a little bit and get it swimming away from the boat. There you go. Yep. I think a lot of guys will be using the uh, the Lexas and the Tranxes. Yeah. Well. Even with those, it's going to be tough. You're going to have guys with, you know, trying to bass rod. <laughs> uh, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Rick, too, also, we don't want to discourage, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, uh, the different types of fishing, but the newbies, we don't want to discourage them from coming because you've got a crew that if uh, someone is on this type of a trip for the first time, uh, you know, check with the deckhands, uh, you, you know, talk with them and, you know, tell them what your situation is because they want to make sure you, they have just a great a time as Stan would have if he was on with you. That's right. You know, the guys that work on my boat, we have a love for this and we pretty much want you to catch a fish, everybody on the boat, as much as, as much or more than some of the people coming on the boat would like to catch a fish. So yeah, we my crew is very good, uh, very helpful, uh, very polite, and uh, if I find a guy that doesn't fit in with us, he doesn't last long. So we've got a really good crew. Looks like lined up for this year, so should be a great year. 
I can't tell you how valuable that is because there's a lot. I hear horror stories from people that have gone on some trips that come back and there's the the people that work the boat just aren't aren't helping at all and it's like they don't they just don't want to be a part of even there sometimes but having a crew that wants you to catch fish that is that and then you have a group of people if you've got everybody on the boat that wants to see you catch a fish it's even better but that is a keystone of making a successful trip yep yep and uh, of course every night i I give a, a very detailed seminar and uh if you have any, if they have any questions, you know they're more than welcome to approach me or my, any of my crew members and, and ask them if uh, they have questions or uh, didn't catch anything when I was uh, giving the seminar, so we can get them up to date and get them going so they can catch fish. You know, Stan, Wendy, and I were kind of in the industry. We're talking to people all the time. We're talking about line to use. We're talking about knots. We're talking about fluorocarbon, monofilament, spectra, type of hooks, and everything like that. But a lot of the people that are out there, we, we've got to remember that they've got nine to five jobs. They're trying to feed the family. They're worried about house payments, which, you know, we are too, but they don't have an opportunity to get out that often. They may only be on one or two trips a year. So what the information that they get from the deckhands when it comes to all these things, don't be afraid to ask them because they want to make sure you're having a great time out there. And, and, the last thing you want to do is lose a fish at the knot because you were embarrassed to ask someone to, hey, help you tie it or what information you need. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the first thing I teach my guys. Uh, if we get anybody new is, you know, make sure they know how to tie the knots with splices, stuff like that. And then uh, gear, if, if, if you want to come out and you don't have gear, we have nice Torium 30s and Seeker 670 rods that uh, we do rent out, so good equipment for the easy for the, the passengers to use. And uh, they just come out and have a good time. Right. Rick, if we want to get a, a hold of you, find out what the schedule is for the uh, Ocean Odyssey and, and book a trip, or maybe even if we've got a group of people that we want to go out on a quality vessel out of H&M Landing, how's the best way to do it? So you can log on to OceanOdysseyFishing.com, and you can book right online, look at the boat, um, Dina posts updates throughout the season on how, how we're doing on the fishing, or you can give her a call at 619-889-4535, and she loves talking to everybody when they call. All right. Rick uh, Scott, uh, owner-operator of Ocean Odyssey, thanks for spending some time with us. We l- look forward to seeing you on the water, sir. Okay. We'll be out there. We look forward to give you a report here this weekend. All right. Now, Stan, you're going to have to jump off. You have another engagement. So you're going to leave uh, uh, the show to Wendy and uh, to, to try it hassle with. So I just hope you have a great evening. Well, you know, i got a great evening planned, but I, I do want you to tell Todd for me. I know he's next up. Congratulations. What a great job he has done. And uh, I wish I was available to talk to him, but i got to run. All right. Hey, and Stan led up to it. We're going to have Todd Klein with us. He's just coming on back from the One Bass Arizona Open. Did really well over there. We're going to get all the details. But first, these messages.
Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto custom baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto custom bait. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble, Greg, or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart, the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, 
revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Wendy Toshinahara and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Stan had to jump off the line for a little while to take care of another engagement. So it's Wendy and I manning the helm right now. Hey, we want to welcome to Ron Real Radio, a good friend of ours that we've had on several times before. But this past week, he really excelled and probably one of the toughest events that you'd ever want to fish out here on the West Coast. And that's fishing Lake Havasu in February. So let's get him on the line with us and find out exactly what he did in the One Bass Arizona Open, Mr. Todd Klein. Todd. Welcome to the show, Guy. Yeah, good evening, John. Good evening, good evening, Wendy, and uh, thanks for having me on. No, hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, you know, first of all, fishing Havasu in February, one of our favorite things to do, but you've mastered it pretty well with, you know, when you were starting off as a, uh, a non-boater and then fishing it more on the professional side. Tell us a little bit about your experiences there before this this week. Uh, so, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, you bring up the non-boater. You know, I fished as a co-angler, I think, for four or five years, uh, mainly with, with FLW, which is now MLF. And, um, you know, while I was doing it, obviously I wanted to win, but more importantly, I wanted to learn. And so, you know, having the opportunity to draw some of the best pros in the West um, to see how they broke down and approached the water as well as learn the different spots and how they set up um, was really my main goal. And um, so I just was a sponge over those years, took it all in. And then now I have that, you know, the opportunity as, as a pro to apply, you know, my skills to what I've learned, you know, with those spots and, and how they approached it. And, um, and then expand upon that as well, you know, as, as you continue, continue to learn every day you're learning and, um, as you mentioned, it's super tough out there in February. It's kind of, you know, if we would have had a few more days of warmer weather prior to uh, us, you know, our, to our tournament, there's a good chance they would have been on the spawn. I mean, they were that close, the smallmouth. Um, but the, the largemouth were still out a little deeper. And in practice, John, it was, it was tough for me to get five bites, you know. Um, I, I went into that tournament not knowing if I could, you know, could get five bites. And in practice, you know, especially out there on that Colorado River, no matter where you're at on it, you want to find the fish, but you do not want to catch them, you know. So if you see them, you mark it, you move on. If you hook one, you mark it, you move on. And when you go back in the tournament, I mean, it's, it's the unknown, you know. You could be on something special. You could be on absolutely nothing. And, you know, fortunately for, fortunately for me, you know, I found a bite that they were uh, – that they were eating, you know, on occasion anyway, it was the uh, cool baits underspin, which is a very small finesse bait. And um, if I got bit, they were three to five pounds smallmouth. And so, you know, I just, I just stayed with that, you know, all the way through it. And, um, you know, but I, I learned a lot along the way as, as an amateur, which uh, helped me set up for this, for this tournament, you know. You know, Todd, uh, it used to be, it wasn't that many years ago that, 
getting 50, 60, 70 teams on Lake Havasu was a pretty good number. And then as the economy seemed to get better, and truthfully, the fishing at the lake got better, those numbers started rising. Now, all of a sudden, you're fishing in an event on Lake Havasu with 178 teams, and they get three or four days of pre-fishing and then three days of tournament. Do you find that that much pressure on that body of water really affects the bite there? Um, you know, I say, I, you know, I say yes and no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's clear water out there. There's a lot of uh, movement with boats running around and, you know, a lot of guys hitting the same, you know, prominent points and, and key coves and that type of thing. Um, but on the flip side, you know, it hats off to Billy and the Wombass crew. You know, they've, they've employed a couple tactics that have people signing up well in advance. Um, their paybacks are good. And uh, so, you know, I'm happy that there's, there's those numbers. To answer your question, yes, it probably does affect it. But the way I always look at things, um, you know, with these tournaments is no matter the factors, how good they are, how tough they are, we're all in the same boat. And I think a lot of these tournaments uh, for many anglers are won or lost between the years before they even hear their boat number, you know. You know, Todd, you've been fishing as a pro for uh, a few years now, but I want to digress a little bit because of the fact that you mentioned the years that you spent in the back seat before you decided to fish in the front seat. And it seems like, you know, this day and age, a lot of people, they can go out, they can buy a boat, they can afford uh, to uh, uh, the higher fee to fish as a boat or owner, but I think they miss something and not fishing back seat on a particular body of water, especially like Havasu, that a lot of us guys here in Southern California aren't as used to, and maybe spend, you know, pay their dues and spend some time learning the lake and learning some of the etiquette before you go out as a boater. Yeah, no, it's a it's a, it's a big opportunity for anglers to to wet their feet in the tournament arena as a co angler, whether you're with you know MLF, whether you're with One Bass. Wild West, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out here on the West Coast. And so when I jumped into it, you know, I have a background with surfing and, you know, a, a competitive background. I love competing against the best out there. And, you know, as I got older and couldn't compete in surfing, I, I had that void. I needed something. And I found fishing. I've always been passionate about fishing since a kid. So I jumped in as a co-angler. And, and then I just, you know, I, I was fortunate to have the success that I did back there. But, I again, I just wanted to learn, wanted to learn, wanted to learn. And some guys, I think, you know, don't realize that opportunity. I talk to pros all the time. They're like, dude, I should have stayed back there longer, you know, because you're learning back there. And I think, you know, for anyone that's listening out there and wants to get involved, again, it's a great opportunity for you. But when you're in the back seat, do not try to compete against the pro in the front. You know, it's too – a lot of times it's a separate division. You know, we're talking tonight mainly about the, the last event that just took place, which is one bass. The cool thing about one bass is that they actually – uh, their format is, you know, it's a random pairing, and your fish, if you're a co-angler, com, you know, will actually help the pro, and the pro's fish actually help you, you know. So at the end of the day, that boat weighs in 18 pounds. Both of you have 18 pounds. So the pro really embraces the co-angler. You know, I gave my everyday, uh, my co-angler, I would tie on a cool baits for him, hook him up, make sure the leaders were right. Everything was ready to roll. The final day, I actually gave a whole Okuma setup rod and reel that is mine that I would use uh, to my co-angler. So, 
you know, my point is they're going to really, the pro's really going to embrace the co-angler and do everything he can to make sure you will catch fish. So even more of an opportunity, John, to learn from these pros because on some of the other, you know, um, organizations such as MLF, you're going to learn if you're open to it, but that, that pro is not going to give you anything. You know what I mean? And so kind of to summarize on that, if you're looking to get involved and you fish with MLF, understand that you're not fishing against that guy in the front and be respectful. And, you know, that guy has put a lot of time and effort over that, you know, lead up to that tournament in preparation to find these fish. And he's got a lot more money invested in it. So don't, you know, don't cast up there. And if you, if you are respectful and you actually have communication with that pro, a lot of times they will help you. You know, I would, I would sit back and observe for a little while. And if I saw a pro fishing deep with a, you know, a, a DT 16 or something. And I'd see about, you know, 20 minutes of this. I realized, okay, he's targeting deep water, but he's moving down the bank and I'm a bit handicapped back here because it's hard for me to fish from the back of the boat as we're paralleling a bank and going fast. So at that point I would say, excuse me. Hey, you know, for instance, you know, Hey Tim, would you mind if I cast it inside with a square bill and nine times out of 10, because you waited, you respected what was going on, observed what was happening. They would say, Todd have at it. And you just have to, you know, you just have to kind of approach things like that because if, if you just fire up there immediately, the hair on that dude's back is going to rise and he's going to do everything he can to shut you down. And it's just a bad vibe for, for both parties, you know? Um, so if you approach it right, there is a huge opportunity as a co-angler to go out there and learn the waters, the techniques, uh, et cetera, you know? And so when you do make the move to go ahead and go to the front, you're that much more prepared. We're speaking with Todd Klein. Yeah, go on, Wendy. Absolutely. And, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, when, when, uh, you know, sometimes uh, some, some of the fishermen can let their egos get in the way and that causes a huge problem. But the way that uh, you just explained is a great approach. And, you know, the more people you fish with, um, the the more you're going to learn. And so being a co-angler longer is actually a really good experience. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Cause Wendy, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, you could go to the same cove. One guy's going to approach it with more of what we, we use, uh, you know, the word Bubba techniques, you know, heavier line, maybe a, you know, a crankbait, a spinnerbait, et cetera. And then the next day you happen to go to the same exact spot with a different pro and he's in there with five pound tests and a drop shot, you know, and, and yeah. both are working, but you're seeing how these guys approach the waters and it's all just a learning process, you know? You know, Todd, uh, the past uh, couple of seasons uh, with uh, 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 Todd Woods uh, winning the tournament, then also Sean Bailey last year, they they got a lot of sight fish. We had them on the show, but it doesn't sound like in the pre-fish you were finding that. You were finding the fish, maybe because of the cool weather or whatever it was, were off the bank. Is that right? All all my fish, and I'll kind of just give a, a quick, quick rundown, uh, what I found in practice um, I was actually throwing a glide bait because um, I wanted the fish to show themselves and or, you know, maybe maybe bite the bait. Um, and so I came across a couple of key areas where, you know, you would bring this this glide bait in and there'd be four, four big smallies right behind it. And I would just make a waypoint. Um, and it was main, main uh, you know, main channel um, kind of staging areas for these smallmouth in front of coves where they were going to go back and spawn. And, I mean, we're, we were literally that close – to them actually moving up and, and spawning. Um, and I would go back to those areas and fish them thoroughly with, uh, 
you know, I was using a, a seven foot six uh, Okuma Deadeye rod and a uh, Helios XS reel. And the reason I mentioned the length of that rod is because you have, you know, braided line on that reel, and I'm throwing a three sixteenths cool bait, which is a very small bait, and then a uh, a little a little Kitek swim bait or a Bastrix trailer on it, and you fire it out as far as you can because if you've ever been to Havasu, the water is crystal clear. Distance is your friend. These fish are smart. You mentioned earlier there's a lot of pressure. And so the braided line to a five-pound leader, I'm throwing it a country mile, and I'm slow reeling it in. And, you know, I, would, I wouldn't get my first fish till about 9, 9.30, and it was just literally I would get five to six bites a day, but they were three to five-pound smallmouth. And, and literally the, the, the first day I had four fish until I think 2, 2.30, maybe even three o'clock and I was doing it like three forty-five. Um, but I just, you know, kept believing I, I was obviously slowly working my way back towards, towards weigh in. And on uh, one of the local points there, you know, right there near the, near the, um, check-in, I'm, I'm slow rolling this cool bait up a point and I come up over a shelf and it starts to get hung. I pop it. And as I pop it up, it comes across now this white shelf. that's very clear. And here's a big Brown spot following it. I'm like, Oh gosh, but I run out of real estate. So I put that down, grab a little jig, fire it out there where I think he's going. Thump. There it is. Set the hook. And it's a, uh, that one was a 462. Come in with 18 oh pounds. Gosh. Next day I go out and, uh, same type of thing. And this one, John, my fourth fish, I, 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 sorry, fifth fish, I think it may have been a bed fish. I'm down south. Water is even clearer down there. And I'm, I'm working my way out from the shallows to deeper on a point, And I, I look straight down. I've got, you know, good polarized glasses, and I'm looking down, and I, and I say to my co-angler, I think there's a big fish right there on a bed, and I could be crazy, but I think it's there. Again, back up real slowly, put down the cool baits, pick up the jig, fire outside where I think he is, shake it twice, feel a tick, reel into it. It's a 495, and I just I got the right bites, and on day three, I could not get a, you know, a full, a full five smallies. So I made a, I pulled an audible because in the one bass, they do not have a, ten, uh, a top 10 cut such as the MLF. And when you have a top 10 cut, you fish differently, you know, and you can fish more freely, but not having a top 10 cut shoot, I could go for from first to 11, you know, if I, if I fall on my head and, and the other guys catch them. So I pulled an audible. I ran down to Bill Williams where I had found some bait and, and bass, you know, small, large mouth, but, you know, I felt like I could go down there and get them on a, on a uh, little wrap-up square bill. And I ran down there, and when I came out of there, I had a limit. Um, but there was one of those fish that actually my co-angler had caught on a drop shot. I caught two on the square bill. He caught one on a drop shot. That was literally barely 13 inches, John. I called Billy Egan, who's the tournament director, and said, Billy, is it mouth open or mouth closed? He goes, you better just get rid of that thing. And... uh so I went back to one of my prominent areas, and like I'd mentioned earlier, I found those fish with a uh, glide bait, and they wouldn't eat the underspin, and it's getting later in the day, and I said, you know what, let me tie that glide bait back on. First cast, John, I fire out to about 30 foot of water. I'm slowly winding it in, and I'm just kind of looking around and, and just kind of soaking it all in, and, it just, and I'm probably still in 20 foot of water, and it stops, and I lean into it and just yell net. It's a four-pounder, and, uh, you know, I – Every bite I got, I, I got to the boat, and I got a lot of, you know, support messages and calls, and most of it all very positive. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys maybe having empathy going, oh, man, it must sting to get second. 
it absolutely does not sting. I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have gotten second based on discount, kind of how I laid out the fishing was for me. I got five bites a day and luckily landed all of them, you know. All right. Hey, Todd, we got to take a break. Let's don't get too far ahead of ourselves. Maybe a little more detail on how you did during the tournament. Can you stay with us for a little longer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, hey, uh, Wendy Toshar and I, we are talking with uh, Todd Klein. He is telling us about his experience fishing the one bass Arizona Open, and he kind of spilled the beans. He finished in second place, which isn't too bad, but stay tuned. Uh, We'll be back with more with Todd Klein after these messages. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that will help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands. And if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Have you dreamed of experiencing the world-class in and offshore fishing off the exotic, tropical Pacific coast of mainland Mexico? Why not fish the sailfish capital of the world, Manzanillo, Mexico, with the folks you know and trust, Cedros Outdoor Adventures. In Manzanillo, you can find roosterfish, sailfish, marlin, tuna, dorado, and more, all within 20 miles of the shore. Our friends at Cedros Outdoor Adventures are offering an all inclusive travel package to Manzanillo that makes your winter fishing dreams a reality for a special price of $21.95. Cedros Outdoor Adventures is a name you learn to trust for safety and value, but these trips are available for a limited time only, starting this fall through March 2021. Learn further trip details and make your reservation at cedrosoutdooradventures.com or call at 619-793-5419. 
Run Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. Hey, Wendy and I, we welcome you back to our Rod and Real Radio. Our special guest this hour is pro angler Todd Klein. And, and Todd, uh, I happen to mention that you were a local angler out of Southern California. Where, where do you call home now? Uh, I, live in, I live in San Clemente, John, but... Um... You know, I, I basically fish, you know, from Lake Paris South. I guide. I've been guiding about five years. I'm actually heading down to San Vicente tomorrow. Um, but, you know, the main lakes that I really fish are, are uh, Paris and uh, Diamond Valley and then, you know, El Cap and San V. And then, you know, all the other ones, obviously, I'm, I'm hitting at least a few times a year. But those are the four I really focus on. All right. Those fish at San Vicente are on their way up, Todd. Just a little bit of a clue. But uh, let's get back to what you were doing at Lake Havasu, you know, Lake Havasu, you get three days of pre-fishing, maybe a little more, a little less, but you have three days of tournament. It's hard to find six days of uh, the same type of weather there at Lake Havasu. Did did you, uh, what did you, what did you find the weather conditions, how they uh, affect you during the course of the event? Uh, you know, I, I went out, uh, you know, quite a bit early, actually, John, uh, my friend, Tony Lane, who used to live in Southern California, he lives out there now. And he's, he's a very, very good friend who puts me up, lets me stay with him. And so, uh, you know, and, and my wife, uh, is very supportive and she said, Hey, you know, go out, go out there when you're, when you want. And I was originally going to go on Thursday, but they were forecasting really strong winds. So I went out the Wednesday prior and, um, the good news is it was pretty stable all the way through outside of those real strong winds we had on, you know, in the pre-fish on that Thursday. Um, but it was pretty stable and getting warmer and warmer. Um, and then, as I mentioned maybe earlier in our conversation, um, on the final day, day three, we actually had some rain, you know, that, that it definitely changed on us. We went from, you know, sunny, very, you know, almost no wind at all to uh, overcast, light drizzle, um, and a bit breezy on that final day. And I think also that hindered me on the smallmouth bite. You know, the, the largemouth usually like the, the overcast um, and kind of a, uh, a barometric, barometric pressure that's lowering. Um, the smallmouth do not. And I think that's what kind of affected me. On the flip side of that, I knew that was coming, and I tried to react to it. Being boat number one out on day three, I ran to a spot that I'd wanted to fish the whole tournament, but days one and two I had two high of a draw to get onto it. I knew someone would already be there, um, but they just didn't want to go for me. I could not catch those, those bigger largemouth in, in this tournament. Um, but with the weather we had, I mean, literally, John, we were that close to them being on beds. And I, and I think that fish that I mentioned earlier was a bed fish. Um, and I think a few other guys may have got them, but I can promise you, uh, you know, it's, it's one or two weeks away from, from the gates just opening up out there. You know, you mentioned a lot of things that Billy has done to really improve the way the tournaments are run, a lot of the rules. And I, I, one of the rules I think that the guys like that, if you're high up in the standings 
on the last day, you go out first. You don't have to worry about drawing 167 if you're in uh, uh, first place. Well, I think, I think to your point there, John, what that does is appeases the guys that are up in the top and also appeases the guys that are down in the back. And, and what I mean by that is technically, you know, the majority of us like when there is a top 10 cut because then you only have to worry about nine other boats on the water and it changes everything. Uh, so, you know, the guys that are at the top being able to go out early, it kind of offsets not having a top 10 cut. And why I say it keeps the guys happy that are on the back end that still get to fish day three, even though they're not, you know, maybe in it in the runnings at all, they could be in 150th place. They still have an opportunity to make some pretty good money on that day three, because one bass pays out three big fish every day. And they also pay big bag of the day. So it keeps everyone in the game until that tournament's over. And that's why, you know, one of the main reasons I think they draw the, the boats that they do. Um, the others is, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty good, um, uh, I don't know how to articulate it, but the entry fee is a thousand bucks where some of the other ones are, you know, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars, um, which is much greater and the paybacks are still good. So, um, I think it's, it's, it's less of an investment for a lot of the anglers. They also like having the opportunity of maybe having someone help them uh with with the shared weight and so uh you know box tick box tick box tick they're they're doing some pretty good things over there at one bass good now you were saying and let's uh let's go to your last day you were in first place after two days you you had an exceptional bite did did you really uh, astonish yourself with how good you fished in the first two days uh i mean the first day you know i astonished myself because again in practice uh, especially at Lake Havasu. The only other place I can kind of compare somewhat to Havasu, and you know, some, you'll have to take this with a grain of salt, is Lake Mead. You know, um, and it's still the Colorado River. And obviously, I would have to, you know, just I'm going to throw it out there. Havasu is way better than Lake Mead. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite lakes to fish. But my point is, is that with the water clarity there, uh, and the way that you have to approach that fishery, you don't want to catch them. Uh, in practice, you just want to find them. And so in, in practice, again, I was only getting just a couple of bites. I didn't know if I could catch five fish, you know, and uh, to, to come in with 18 pounds on that first day, granted, I only got five bites. I was like, okay, I'm around the right ones. I've got the right bait. Um, let's go give it a whirl again tomorrow. And then the next day to come in with 19 pounds, and to be leading going into that third day, you know, I, I definitely felt like I had a good shot to take it out. And I honestly think if that weather didn't change like it did, uh, things might have been different, you know. But um, it did. And, and Mike Williams, you know, that guy, he's a local out there. He knows every nook and cranny. Uh, and he got a nice fish that was over five pounds that day, big largey. Um, and that was the difference. So, you know, I'm, I'm big congratulations to him. And, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm just stoked to, to have finished up in that second place because practice was so darn tough. I had a lot of buddies out there, phenomenal anglers who couldn't get bit. It was just tough, you know. Well, you know, I've got to admire your courage to, uh, on that last day, you weren't getting bit to go all the way down to Bill Williams. I've, I've always felt that the Bill Williams didn't necessarily have, and Bill Williams is in the southern part of Lake Havasu, and you have to realize Lake Havasu is a compound that is, you know, 50 miles, uh, 60 miles uh, long when it comes to fishing. 
What what made you decide to go down there? Um, just because, you know, what I had found in practice, there was one cove. It was a very small pocket. Um, it's only like four foot deep. It had uh, off-colored water in it. But every time I went in there, I went in there a couple times in practice. And every time I went in there, there was greaves, and they would come up with redfin that were about four inches long. All of that, there's got to be bass around that. And, you know, in practice, I threw that little uh, raffle of square bill and picked up a couple and had a couple really knock the heck out of it. Um, and I said, okay, well, if I, if I need to get a fish, at, you know, in practice, I was only getting pound and a halfers, but I still I felt there was opportunity to get a big one in there. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to go down there and try and get a couple at least pound and a halfers to fill out my, my limit on that third day, knowing I only had two in the well. Um, and if I get a big one, shoot, even better, you know, and it worked out. I went out of there with a limit and then, and then it just eases the nerves a bit when you, when you still have three, three, four hours to go to try and get, you know, a couple of big smallies to, to, you know, change things. You know, and you mentioned the importance of having a, uh, a backseater that kind of pays attention and follows attention because I know fishing as a pro if my backseater just has one fish that can contribute to my stringer, I'm happier than a pig with his feet in the, the trough. Anything above that's really a bonus. And it sounds like you were able to work together with your backseater, and he wound up helping you out. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, my my approach was, and in these in these you know shared weight tournaments, it's me. I'm going fishing, and and you know, I have to catch five fish. And to your point. Uh, if, if the guy in the back seat contributes perfect, but I'm not counting on anything. And, you know, that, uh, day two, actually, my co-angler had, uh, about a three pound largey the other two days, you know, there wasn't a contribution there, but you know, those guys fished hard. They, they tried and that's all you can ask, you know, and, and, um, hopefully at the end of the day, you know, those guys might've learned a few things and, you know, they're, they're good company on the boat. Um, and, uh, you know, but my mindset is even though it's a shared weight, it's on me, you know, because if you go into it expecting to get a good co-angler or for your co-angler to put fish in the well, you know, I don't think that's a good way to go about it. You know, you talked a lot about fishing a cool bait and some of the people that aren't familiar with a cool bait, it's a belly spin, a leadhead type of bait. Usually, uh, it needs a trailer. What what were you using as a trailer on those baits, uh, Todd? So I was using either a uh, a two point eight or a three point three uh, Kitek, which is a little swim bait, uh, or a uh, Bastrix uh, Flastrix, which is a straight little, almost like a fluke type bait. Um, because sometimes they want more action, and others they want more of a subtle approach. And you just kind of gotta you know figure out what they want at that particular time and or spot. Um, and uh, that's a bait that literally uh, I throw anybody that's gone with me on guide trips, friends, whatever they know, that's probably, you know, one of my top three baits to throw. Uh, and I have nothing but confidence in that bait. So when I found out they were on that thing, I was pretty excited to, uh, to just keep that thing in my hand all day long, you know. And were you looking for offshore structure? Were you looking for shade pockets? And then were you slow rolling it or were you uh, uh, fishing it a little faster? Uh, for the most part, I was fishing uh, deeper outside, um, you know, deeper outside water that led to spawning areas. 
um, because as mentioned, you know, they were that close, but they hadn't moved up yet for the most part. And don't get me wrong, there was points that I came across where I was looking at plenty of them cruisers, you know, if you didn't spook them. But those fish, I could not get to go. They they just they were kind of in that weird phase where they wanted to move up and spawn, but they weren't actively feeding either. And so with that said, I think and without talking to a lot of guys, I think a lot of guys might have got caught chasing those fish that they could see. And I was fishing for the ones just outside of them that I think were, you know, one, not getting as much pressure, and two, I could approach, make a better approach with that cool bait and slow wind it by them and, uh, you know, get them to go. You know, the past few years, uh, Lake Havasu has really uh, put on an attempt to put a lot of habitat into that lake. And did you feel, was the habitat helping you out, or could you, could you tell that that's just weren't, wasn't where they were? You know, to your point, John, I, I first time I ever went to Lake Havasu, I thought it was the coolest thing I've, I've ever seen. You know, uh, the, the Department of Wildlife and Game, who, who you know, went through the process to, to build all of those structures and, and, and strategically place them in cuts and, and spawning areas, et cetera, et cetera, was phenomenal for that fishery and continues to be. Um, a lot of times those are areas where I target the largemouth, um, and I did last year in the FLW, uh, where I had some success, but they, the fish were further along. That was in March when we were there for the FLW last year. So this year, I actually was, you know, in the morning, every morning, I would target those, those structures that were man-made, trying to get a couple of big largemouth, you know, fishing jigs, fishing spinner baits, um, fishing swim baits, et cetera, and never could get that bite. Um, I know a few guys did, but when it came down to my smallmouth, I was actually trying to avoid those cages because the cool baits is not going to get along with those things. So I was trying to, to avoid them and I was fishing more rock structure, uh, isolated rock, um, kind of areas that were leading up to points. Um, and just, you know, keeping it as close to the bottom as I could without actually getting hung up. Now you uh, mentioned the Ron reel that you were fishing with, but tell us about the line. Was it, uh, uh, a spectral line? Were you using a fluorocarbon leader? Uh, do you like using monofilament or what? So all my rods, for the most part, you know, anytime uh, I'm fishing around here in Southern California with the thin Sankos, the you know the little underspins, um, you know, I I I use a seven six. It's an Okuma seven six dead eye um, is the rod, and it's got a fast tip, you know, a nice parabolic tip, and then it shuts off pretty quick. Um, I use a, an Okuma Helios X, uh, XS 30 reel, and I put um, suffix 131. It's a new uh, line that's just come out from them. It's a braid. And then I, that, and I use 10-pound on that. And then I use a, uh, a suffix fluorocarbon, uh, four or six-pound leader, uh, about six to eight foot of leader, um, and the reason I like that combination is the braid doesn't stretch. You're going to feel the bite immediately. And on those long casts, you need to get a hook into them. Um, on those cool baits, the hooks are exposed. It's a, it's a medium wire gauge, but it's pretty easy to, to get the hook set on them. And it's a real set, John. On that light of a line, if you set the hook, you're going to break it every time. So it's a real set and a lean. And with that, that dead eye rod, the, the rod will load up. And then you got to have that drag set you know, on the reel. And keep that rod down, you know, so they don't jump because they're going to jump. 
But if you, you know, um, actually hold your rod high, it's going to entice them and, and, and lead them to jump. So keep it down low, keep pressure on them. And when they want to go, if your drag set right and you've got a rod like that dead eye, you're, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to be fine. You know, I've caught some really big largemouth locally on that rod and, and on the light line. And so once again, you know, th- this tournament really set up to my comfort with, you know, the, the light finesse technique. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a killer setup right there. And, you know, it's not going to break the bank either to, uh, to get, get one if you're interested. If you're using a little reaction bait like that, do you ever think about using scent? Or do you believe since it is a reaction bait, that's something that isn't necessary? Uh, you know, on the um, on the Bastrix trailer, I'd put a little uh, a Bass Feast scent on there, um, sure. which is smelly jelly. Um, but on the Kytec, it comes with a like a squid scent actually. Um, and the combination of those two, I think you know, I think it's a win-win. Um, it, it doesn't hurt, you know. I mean, if you went in with just any other plastic, and maybe who knows, you happen to have pumped gas earlier and you had a little bit on your fingers. That could be a problem. These fish, you know, are very finicky out there. So, you know, applying that, you know, the, the, the fish scent on the Bastrix and or with the scent that comes on the Kytec, uh, I think it helps. All right, Todd, before we uh, let you go, uh, why don't you tell us about the sponsors that keep you on the water? Yeah, I've, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate to, uh, to have the sponsors that I do, uh, John, and, and just I'll try and say this quickly because I know there's you know, probably plenty out there listening that would like to get sponsors. I have a marketing background. I worked at Quicksilver for 16 years, and prior to that, I was a professional surfer, negotiated all my own deals. And so I, I realized, it, you know, being on the marketing side at Quicksilver, what you need to pr- produce for these companies. You know, we use the term ROI, return on investment, and I know what they need. So I've been fortunate to, uh, to get some great support. And it's, you know, it's a long list. I'll, I'll run through it quickly. But, um, you know, Rapala, Terminator, Suffix, Skosh, uh, Sterling Building Group, Earthpack, Okuma, Electric Sunglasses, Igloo, Frank, uh, Frank Motors, which is uh, Toyota, Hyundai, Subaru down there at uh, National City, Grundins, Anglers Marine, Triton Boats, uh, Mercury, Yamamoto, Coolbaits, and uh, RoboWorm. All unbelievable companies, great people, and they really, uh, you know, without them, I would not have the opportunities that I do um, all the way around from their support to their products. It's, it, it makes my job much, much better. Now, here's a bonus for our listeners. You also are locally here in Southern California, and you fish, you know, everywhere from uh, Paris and Diamond Valley down to San Diego and you are a guide also, and people can come and fish with you and learn a lot of these techniques that we've talked about, maybe even some we haven't talked about. How's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, I appreciate that, John. Yeah, you can, uh, you can reach me at toddkleinfishing.com. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got quite a bit of detail on there, but I always like to, you know, I don't put my rates on there because I like to talk to the, uh, the clients and let them know kind of what the day looks like and, Basically, all they need, John, is a valid California fishing license and whatever they want to uh, want to snack on. I meet them at the docks, rigged up, tied up, ready to go, water and Gatorade on ice. And uh, you know, I've I've been very fortunate over the years to uh, to get a lot of repeat clients. It's a five star service, and um, you know, we create a lot of memories out there. And I love having the the father son, father daughters. And uh, tomorrow, I'm taking a grandfather and his grandson out, and. Uh, you know, for me, that's that's been a really cool thing, John. Obviously, you know, make, you make a little money out of it, 
But for me, when I see the excitement that, you know, especially the kids get, and I know that I've introduced them to the outdoors for the first time, I mean, that, that to me is what it's all about. You know, before we were talking with you, we were talking with uh, Captain Rick Scott from the Ocean Odyssey, and you're in the same boat. You offer a turnkey operation. People don't have to go out and buy a lot of tackle in order to go out with you. And then what they can do is they can learn what gear to use in what particular application. So when it's time to go out and buy something, they can make a more informed choice. And that's a great service that you have uh, for a lot of the beginning and intermediate fishermen, Todd. Yeah, no spot on. It's, it's quite often, John, that at the end of the trip, I'm either uh, giving them the bait they used and or the wrapper or they're taking pictures of the rod and reel. And, and um, you know, that's, again, you know, one, it's a great experience and an opportunity for them, but that's also a great return on investment for me to provide to my sponsors because now, I mean, there is no better way to learn about a product. Anybody can say, oh, I caught them on this. I did that. Uh, this is great. Go buy it. But when the client actually gets to use it, you know, feel it in their hands, catch a fish on it, they know it works, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to go buy this. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, I just love it, John. It's cool to have the opportunity to, to share my products that I, that I represent with them and then also give them the opportunity, like you said, to fast track, to buy the right gear, they don't buy something, and, they, and at the end of the day, they're not happy with it, you know? Well, Stan wanted to make sure that I congratulated you for your second-place finish there at Lake Havasu. Just a great job. In behalf of Wendy and myself and all the people here uh, at Ron Real Radio in Southern California, man, uh, whenever we have a local fisherman that does well, it's really good to see. And, Todd, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Congratulations on your finish at Lake Havasu this past week. I really appreciate it, John. Thank you, Wendy. And, uh, yeah, you know, I know right now a lot of people with, with everything we've been up against with COVID are spending more time outdoors. So if you guys are looking to get a boat, you know, uh, the crew over at Anglers Marine will take care of you. And or if you guys are looking to spend out time, you know, spend time outdoors and, uh, you know, pick up, uh, go see Marco Finelli down there at, uh, at Frank Toyota. Those guys will take care of you. Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, hope to speak with you guys again soon. All right, Todd Klein, local angler, finished second place in the One Bass Arizona Open. Todd, thank you so much for spending time with us. Have a great night, guys. All right. Hey, Wendy, we made mention at the uh, beginning of the show that you were just fresh back from a hunt. Uh, We've got a few minutes left. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your experience? I sure do, but I want to make a quick comment for for our listeners who just listened to Todd. You know, he's a great speaker, and that's one of the things that you really need to learn how to do if you're going to be a professional bass fisherman is to learn how to speak. And he did a great job and was able to promote all of his sponsors. Good job, Todd. Well, you know, Wendy, I know you represent Iserline, and uh, I represent the company, and and obviously Stan does too. And he, the key thing was rate of return and the sponsor is going to do, okay, I'm going to do something for you. What can you do for me? And I think he made a great point of that, Wendy. Absolutely. And now tell us about your trip. Well, I uh, ended up going to Mineola, Texas with Merritt and uh, we got the chance to go do some pig hunting and some nutria hunting and uh, the first night, 
Merritt shot a Nutria. Was it Merritt? Merritt or Ron shot it. I'm not sure. Merritt. And uh, anyways, um, so we have uh, pretty soon I'll put up some photos, but uh, we butchered him and uh, have some really good meat from him. And then uh, first day out, we uh, all got pigs. So that was a lot of fun. It was a great first day. Um, and what I, were you yeah. shooting, Wendy? What uh, what weapon were you using to to get those pigs? Uh, this year, I brought my thirty out six. Okay. So I um, the pig I shot uh, has a thirty ear hole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you want to do. You want to be humane too, but at the same time, they need to be calling out that uh, uh, that population of pigs there because they are really a nuisance when it comes to agriculture and other things there. Oh, absolutely. You know where we were staying. Um, there were, um, I saw a whole bunch of damaged grass and, and the rooting that these pigs do. It's, it's just amazing how much damage they do and, and they do need to be controlled and it's really hard to do. It's like, you know, if you have a rat problem here in California, it's the same thing, but it's a bigger animal and he makes a bigger mess. Well, not only that, I mean, and they'll eat the bark on the trees, even up as far as they can get. So very damaging. It's really an invasive type of species, but luckily something that's pretty good to eat. And it sounds like you've got a few recipes set up for them, uh, especially nutrient. What are you going to do with that? Uh, I, you know, there's a, a Hawaiian dish called Kalua pig, and uh, uh, I'm going to make that, but with the nutria rat, it'll be really good. All right. And I happen to see a picture too. I mean, you didn't just go hunting. You also got a chance to get a line wet. I did, and it's so much fun stay, staying at the property that we were staying at. Um, they have three ponds there, and, uh, you know, it was really cold out there, and it seemed like the fish wanted to be in the weeds and keep warm, so they were in the middle, about the middle of the lake, um, all along the weed lines. And uh, so you just cast a Senko. I, I like to use the black and blue uh, laminate Senko on a three-aught uh, wide gap hook. And you just throw it out there and boom, you got a fish. It's it's so much fun. Well, needless to say, where you were uh, trying to use anything else but a Yamba Motor product might have been a little tough. Well, actually, Merritt had the first cast of the day and he caught a topwater, um, a, a topwater fish on a spook. All right. Well, Wendy, <laughs> thanks a lot for the report. We're glad you're back safely because really, really perilous conditions trying to drive back. And I know you're probably feeling good to be at home. I'm happy to be safe at home. It was a tough drive. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. On behalf of Stan and Wendy and Otto in the AM540 studios and our local producer, Ben Harvey, thanks a lot for listening in. We'll be back next Sunday night at 5 or 5 p.m., maybe a little bit before, for Ron Real Radio. So until then, good night, everyone. We're out for now. Thanks for listening. You weren't tied up, you dog. You was just playing old gone fishing. There's a sign upon your door. Pops, don't blab it around, will you? Gone fishing. Keep it shady. I got me a big one staked out. Mm, you ain't working anymore. I don't have to work. I got me a piece of Gary. Cows need milking in the barn. I have the twins on that detail. They each take a side. But you just don't give a darn. Give them four bits of cow and hand lotion. You just never seem to learn. Man, you taught me. 